Episode 12, Fireside Chat with David Spinrad, the Rated Rabbi, Part 2. What do you think so far? Pretty good, I hope. This is episode 12, the second part of my chat with David Spinrad, the Rated Rabbi, with the last one being episode 11. And I confirmed with Google, yes, this is indeed how numbers work. Uh, Dave is just so easy to talk to. I mean, I guess it, that just goes with being a spiritual leader, being able to connect with people from all walks of life. And he's just such a good person in and, in and out of the hobby. And he has many hats he wears. And that's why he's in the hobby. Because in one of his podcast episodes, he talks about why he got into the hobby, about how as a middle-aged man, he felt like he was a good father, good husband, good rabbi, but that there was no Dave time, you know, no him time for you, no me time, right? And so there just wasn't time for him to feel like himself is what he says. And that just goes to having a hobby and connecting with himself, right? We can all find different hobbies to, you know, have our time our me time, I mean. And he loves to say, and I've heard the, him say this so many times, but I love it every time. <laughs> he loves to say what we all end up collecting in the end is ourselves. And I just love that so much. And I think he does say that in this, um, you know, maybe he said it in the first half, he definitely says it uh, by the time of the end of our chat. So the hats, right? I find myself grappling with wearing the many hats and with trying to get this podcast off the ground, I do find myself wearing other hats less often. And I mean in the hobby because the hats outside of my life, they always have to stay. Those are non-negotiables. But I will very much admit uh, to myself and to you all listeners that I've pretty much dropped the ball on selling on eBay, consigning, subbing for grading, custom card art, which I haven't gotten to yet. And I've really enjoyed doing that in the past. But it's just I find myself, you know, spending a lot of time with this podcast, which I really enjoy, and I hope that I continue to enjoy it. But I've also had less time to consume content, which I definitely try to listen to as much as I can, because there's, again, so many good podcasts out there for the hobby. Uh, and also, I've definitely slowed down the buying, which is probably the best thing, to be honest. But there's only so much time in the day, so much hobby time, if this isn't your full-time gig, if you're not an industry insider, or if you don't own a card shop. And I've said this when I was a guest on Rob Gerard's Sport Card Therapist podcast, one of my favorite of all time, one of the first ones I listened to, the one, one of the ones I binged and, and I learned so much from. And that, and what I said in his uh, Collector's Roundtable uh, is that time is the ultimate equalizer. You can be the poorest or richest person in the world, and we all have the same 24 hours in a day. We all have the same time budget, if you will. And I still want to strike a healthy balance with life, family, friends, the hobby, and yeah, I guess work too, but, and, and maybe it's in that order, right? Um, but that's a question I posed to Dave at the end of, uh, near the end of our chat, which again, this is part two, and that is, does being in the hobby make you a better parent? And that's what I wanted to make a chapter out of in, in this card diary, like parenting your collection, parenting in the hobby. But now I'm thinking maybe it doesn't have to be a monologue episode because ultimately we are going to take care of our collections the best as we can. We will uh, all eventually learn about vaulting, insuring your cards, protecting your slabs and cards like slab strong and slab mags along the way. You know, I, I thought about it. I could do a monologue chapter episode, but I'm wondering if I can even fill 30 minutes on it. I mean, okay, I know I could. I just don't know if it would be a good 30 minutes on it. I just don't know if it would be interesting. So that's all to say I'm going to weave in guests who are in the hobby, who are experts in vaulting, protecting slabs, Maybe not insurance. I don't know. We'll see. But I also don't want this to become an infomercial because I don't think that any of you are here to listen to people selling their wares and services to you. And so what I would like to do is have people on from those areas, maybe just to get them just to get the uh, to know them more. I mean, I already know some of them, but for all of you to get to know them more uh, and for all of us, to, you know, learn something along the way. So my idea or plan to have this chapter called parenting 
uh, your collection or parenting and the hobby. And, you know, it definitely came from Father's Day having just passed, but that that idea is gone. Uh, this intro and the intro to episode 11, basically it's the super short version of, of that. Uh, besides, I don't know, who wants to be told how to parent? Who wants to be, you know, who wants to be told how to parent your collection? Much like no one wants to be told how to parent your kids. But of course, I'm not telling anyone how to do any of these things, just my personal experience and the experiences from guests. But I think that's why I bristle when big voices in the hobby tell people what they should or shouldn't do with, um, you know, big red alert, red alert signage. <sighs> okay, forget it. I'm, I'm not going to get into all that. I, I thought about it, but I'm, I'm going down a path I don't want. I shouldn't go down to. Uh, let's focus on the fun. But yeah, I'll be at Natty, which is what I like to call national, I guess. Just a fun way to say it. I hope to be seeing a lot of you there. Listeners to this podcast, followers on Instagram, and you know, let's face it, I follow you too. I listen to your podcasts if you have them. But again, I just haven't found myself able to listen to as many as as I've have in the past or as I've wanted to because of creating my own content. So speaking of uh, content and this podcast, sometimes I just run out of breath and I just have to like pause. <laughs> Uh, and it really is more the monologue episodes. Uh, yeah, I think it's because I just keep talking continuously. With the with the fireside chats, it's, you know, I talk and then I don't. So this podcast going forward. I do plan I do plan to finish this book, if you will, this audiobook or the car diary. Plan to have chapters. Uh, and yet I do want to maintain some flexibility because as a newer podcast, if I have guests who are ready to talk, um, I I have to cater to them. I mean I do. Uh, I have no leverage whatsoever. Um, not that I have to either. I want to. I want to cater to the times and availabilities of my guests um, because I think that's just part of being a good host. Um, even if I did have leverage, you know, I want to be a good host. I want to make my f guests feel comfortable. And part of that is catering to their needs and wants and, and their schedule. So the next two episodes after this one, um, will be my conversation with Jason Hickey, the triple logo man. I think we ended up deciding that, or we're going to be calling the nickname is going to be logo bro, which is just awesome. Cause the, him and the two others who pulled it together, they're going to, they, they call themselves the logo bros, which I think is just so awesome. And so it's going to be four, uh, two back to back interview again, not interview chat guest episodes, so that's four episodes in a row because I have to cut up, you know, hour, hour and a half into two digestible chunks. And then I may even do some more chat interviews, more fireside chat interview, uh, guests. Why do I keep saying interviews? Maybe they are interviews. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just, um, words do mean things, but I do like to think that they are more chats than, you know, direct Q&A. But when it comes to the podcast format, um, I want to build, bake in that flexibility so that we can have as many conversations um, with these great industry people in the industry, experts in their fields. So maybe I do have on someone to talk about vaulting or protecting your slabs after my conversation with Jason Hickey. And, and then we return back to the chapter monologue episodes, but I don't know when that's going to be. I honestly don't know, but I think that's the fun of all of this. At least it is to me. So I've gone longer than I wanted to uh, because I was kind of stumbling along the way, which is fine. Just get the reps in. Just just get it out. Get it out. And then got to press publish. I'm not going to edit any of this. I'm not editing my whatever my stumbles um, during this. Uh, maybe I'll get better at editing in the future. But for now, this will have to do. So without further ado, and yes, that did rhyme. Part two. Ooh, that rhymed. Further ado, part two of my chat with the Rated Rabbi. Enjoy. All right, so I think we're back. Uh, there was a little bit of a technical issue, but it was a perfect stopping point in terms of we were getting to a new topic and... I don't know anyone else in the hobby who has mentioned this phrase and term. And so I think if it is something that's spoken about in the hobby, all the credit should go to you, uh, the rated rabbi. Dave, please tell me 
this awesome idea of the nightstand card. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, we were talking earlier about how much uh, hobbying uh, involves patience, right? And there's, there's different ends of the continuum on patience. Uh, there is sometimes and you just like, you know, it's 1038 on a Sunday night and you're bidding on some cards you kind of want. You're like looking at it on your phone without your glasses. Like, you know, but you gotta, you gotta have a card. I need a fix. I need a fix. There's that. Right. And that I call that end of the, the patience continuum. When you get a card like that in the mail that I call that a, uh, that's a marshmallow card. Remember mm. that, that thing they did with kids, like you can have one marshmallow now, but if you wait, you can have two marshmallows, right? So the one marshmallow cards are those cards you get and like, you know, just scratching an itch and you look at it for a little while, maybe feel like, eh, maybe a little regret. Definitely isn't one you're super excited to like put pictures up on social. Yeah. We have those, we all have those cards in our collection. Yeah. Right. So that's one. That's a marshmallow. The other end of the continuum, that's a nightstand card, right? A nightstand card is a card, you know, you're waiting for that mail day, you're tracking it, you're going on. If it's, you know, FedEx, you're like, oh, it's it now, it's at Deerfield or wherever it is when it's on its way to you. Like, <laughs> oh, it's, a dry, it's out for delivery. You know, those days, right? But yes. if my mail doesn't come to the end of the day, sometimes it's still 5 30. Oh, there's the card gets out and you open it, right? Everyone has our, I go right in the kitchen, take the little scissors, super careful on the end, open it up. And there, there it is. And it's a, it's a nightstand card, but before it's a nightstand card, it's a walk around the house card. It's to nice. take it downstairs for a photo shoot, send pictures to your friends, take it to the dinner table. I don't take cards to the bathroom. I feel like maybe that crosses a line. But <laughs> I take it to the dinner table, right? Like doing the dishes. I got it propped up next to me by the sink. And then and then I take it to bed at night, right? <laughs> I'm lying in bed. Instead of reading, instead of reading, I've got the card. You know what exactly I'm talking about. Looking at the card, reading the back for the 800th time. Just like, I can't mm -hmm. believe I have this card. You're holding mm -hmm. the card, right? You, you know. Give my wife a good night kiss, but take then take one more long look at the card, put it on my nightstand very carefully. So when I wake up, I can see it first thing in the morning. Dennis, I have a uh, I have a nightstand card in my hand. I featured yes. this nightstand card tonight. Uh, I, I recorded episode 24 of the Rated Rabbi Sports Card Podcast. You know, it's about the 80 card master set of the 84 All-Star game. The 80th card was when the camera caught Joe DiMaggio in the seats in the bottom of the first inning. And I have a 1948 Leaf Joe DiMaggio. And my friend, this is... It's a, definitely a top five card in my collection. Mm. This is an absolute nightstand card. In fact, I might take Joe to bed with me tonight. I mean, <laughs> this is good. So this is a great example also, though, of why, why like, for vintage, you can't pay attention to grades. This mm. is an incredible. This 48 set has horrible registration. It's like mm. that four color layer. It's super blurry. Look mm -hmm. how crisp and clear that card is. This card has terrible centering. Look at the centering on that card but look at the grade the can you PSA show us closer one. can you show the yeah, video yeah, closer? Yeah, yeah 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 psa 1.5 how how is that right five that's why because in the bottom corner so bottom left hand corner there's a little crease okay right yeah and there's a little bit of schmutz above it that you can see <laughs> schmutz, and you yeah. can't really see it unless you have have a big mag lamp you know it's like 40 40 yep, x crazy yep. mag lamps Yep. There is a very, very, very thin hairline crease. Mm. You, you can't, you can't see it. Yeah, like you yeah, cannot yeah. see that you have a. It's, so for vintage cards, you just can't really pay attention to technical grades. Gotcha. And and you'll pay more for this card than you will for some cards that are two and a half or even a, an ugly three, right? So this is a, a nightstand card. And uh, fewer and better. This is the kind of card I want in my collection. That, that's thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. So no ugly cards go to the nightstand. None. These are we're talking the beautiful. No, cards. no, no, no. <laughs> Only the very few I take to bed with me at night. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that's awesome i love it i remember when you told me this concept during our walks and i was like i want to have you on i got to figure out how and i was like we got to talk about this one so that that is so awesome thank you for sharing that with us and um i i can't wait for our wonderful like i think maybe i'm having too many expectations or high expectations for for a national but i'm really looking forward to a great good time um there uh, and i hope you find your your wantless cards you mentioned one i don't know if you want to mention another one um yeah well you know i'm working on the maze run so i've got some of them uh you have a good name for it i'm sorry yeah i didn't want to sorry to cut oh, yeah. you off but though it's 23 for like it's the year 2023 right yeah so because yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you you have some amazing runs ending this year but like what what yeah. do you call this run again I don't really have a name for it because 23 or 23. Oh, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but Willie Mays's number was 24. 20. Um, I got it mixed yeah, up because of Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. That's right. 23 for 24. Isn't yeah, that, isn't 20, that yeah, 23 so for 24. And, and yeah. I would say percentage wise that the vast majority of my hobby dollars have gone towards Mays this mm -hmm. year. Um, but you know, I'll be looking for a little Joey Bosa fun. It, like I said, like the ultra modern, the vibe is great. It's it's a way more of a party. Um, vintage, right? The more yeah. more distinguished, mm -hmm. deeper wisdom. Like there's lots of good stuff going on, yeah. but you're way more likely to have a vodka and Red Bull over in the ultra modern section of the party, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that's also fun. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't spend real money. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I really think you know, I I can get a. I just picked up a 2020 select gold field level out of 10 of Bosa. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely under 100 bucks. I forgot what mm -hmm. I spent. So, like, it's not nothing, but at the same time, when it goes down, I, my favorite player on my favorite team plays my favorite position. You know, I also like being an outlier. Like, I'm collecting a defensive player, darn it. It's mm -hmm. fun to me. I don't, I right. don't care, you know, because they're, they're so maligned like pitchers and right. Yeah. Goal, goalkeepers and in, in, yeah. in soccer. So yeah. Bosa, I get that. And you are definitely, you know, a Bay area kid, kid adults and all that stuff. I, you've heard me in podcasts do this and, and I yeah. got to do it with you. Yeah. Maze. Why maze? Yeah. Take me back to when you're a child. I mean, yeah. you didn't, I mean, I mean, just tell, tell me what maze means to you. Yeah. Um, well, my, my dad was a huge Willie Mays fan, you know, the greatest giant of all time. Some say the greatest baseball player of all time. Mm. He was this larger than life uh, figure in, in Giants history and Bay Area history. Mm -hmm. um, it's a nice connection to my dad. And, uh, you know, the thing is, as I got into vintage last, I think it was last summer, I was listening to this really cool uh, Willie Mays uh, biography as I was walking and listening to the whole thing. I'm actually listening to it a second time just to kind of get myself back in the national state of mind as mm -hmm. I'm walking. And I started realizing why, why would I have any other card as a Giants fan, as a Mays fan? Why would I have another, say, 1954 tops uh, before I had the Willie Mays? Mm -hmm. right, just to have an example of each one, it's, it's got to be Mays. And actually, you know what it ends up being is because there's such there's such subtlety in vintage collecting, one of the coolest ways to learn how to collect vintage is to collect a player um, because you learn about sets that way. You learn about what good examples look like and you these lessons, they translate to other cards as well. Then it's just figuring out what the what's the variety. Oh, what are common things on a 56 Kofax, for example? Once you learn by learning one card, mm. then it applies to all cards. So I've just learned a ton about vintage collecting, collecting Willie Mays. So lots of just okay. a great way to hobby. Connects me to my dad, connects me to my favorite team. Um, yeah. Do you remember your first impressions or reactions like the the only the the one play that i know of willie mays is when he had that over the shoulder catch and throw where his hat just pops off right yeah yeah, yeah um yeah. do you do you remember i mean you of course you remember that or you, you've seen it but yeah, yeah. Like, tell me about that moment what that meant to you or well i was negative 16 years old when there willie made that catch okay. yeah 
uh, my dad was eight. So it's like far before my, any, anything in my life or my dad's there in New York at the time, but just, he's just such an iconic player. Um, did he was a five tool player before there was such a name for it mm-hmm. could hit hit for power run played great defense had a cannon arm like mm-hmm. did it all um interesting uh so i i i know you and i are old and you're a little bit older than i but i knew let me just say i knew you didn't watch it live i didn't mean that i meant like <laughs> when you saw the first time that highlights did that like yeah. you know was it like your dad saying, Hey son, watch this play. Like, yeah. this is why I love this guy uh, so much. The, Oh my gosh. I, this is how bad I am. It, he is the say, Hey kid, right? Yes. Thank you. Oh gosh. Thank yes. goodness. This is being recorded. And if I got that wrong, that would have been so embarrassing. <laughs> so I don't know much about Mays, but I know, uh-huh. well, I guess I know the nickname and I know that play. Yeah. And his, his hat, his hat did like fall. Yeah. yeah. Off he used to wear right? a hat that he used to wear his hat as like a size too small. And he kind of put it on his head. So when he run, he would fly off. And a lot of the way he played, you know, when Willie Mays was a sophomore in high school, he mm. was playing a sophomore, 15 years old. Yeah. He was actually playing for the Birmingham Black Barons. He's from Fairfield, Alabama, which is near Birmingham. And he played in the Negro Leagues when he was like a sophomore and a junior and a senior. He actually lost his eligibility because he was playing professional baseball. What? How do I know? I mean, I... I Thank you for sharing that. I, I had no clue. I did not know any of that. Um, so so again, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm showing I'm, sh- I'm showing my age or my yeah. naivete here. Yeah. The opposite of showing my age. So Jackie Robinson. Yeah, I, I know there's like Jackie Robinson Day recently. Uh, you know, recording yeah. this on yeah. Juneteenth on June nineteenth. Yeah. Yep. Jackie Robinson was the one who broke the color barrier. And yeah. but Mays, I mean. I mean, we're talking deep south, Alabama, Birmingham, and he is going through his baseball journey. And I don't know. I just I'm just trying to piece together. Like, I don't even have a question. I'm just kind of like I'm in awe of that time period. I mean, we're talking pre-civil rights, right? Yeah. I mean, Jackie breaks in 47. 47. Um, What's interesting there, there's, you know. There were a lot of debates who should have been the best, who should have been the first player, right? And mm. Jackie was not the best player in the Negro Leagues, hmm. but it wasn't just the best player. It was more complicated than that. It was someone who could um, withstand what he had to withstand. I think that was a significant part. I think also, like, there were certain things about Jackie Robinson being not from the South, but being from Pasadena, having gone to college, having served in the military. I think there was sort of, uh, what do they call it? Not, I wouldn't necessarily say it would be respectability politics kind of thing, but there were certain there were certain things right that uh, made his path made him made, made him more the clear choice for Branch Rickey. Um, wow, that's yeah, that is I, I I learn something new every day in the hobby, and you know when it comes to vintage and this, like thank you. I mean, it's probably information yeah. a lot of vintage collectors already know and love and revere but again i'm just so not a vintage collector uh but um you know we we talked about let me let me go a little bit peeled behind the curtain here when we were talking about uh scheduling the 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 chat for today you know it's gonna be after father's day you know i said you know other days this week were were, i may be a little bit more tied up same with you um you have a podcast you just released a bit uh an audio um an episode i'm sorry yeah. uh, and i and i definitely want to talk about that before we end but okay i know that we talked about it. oh what what a coincidence it's today's gonna be juneteenth and here's a here's a white rabbi and and then and a korean american korean asian american here uh neither of us are african-american um but and i did ask you is it okay if we talk about this and you said yes sure. but we're not going to yeah, talk yeah. we're not going to say names because okay it's very important to yeah. keep our family lives private but you do have um a child um of african-american descent or yeah. I, I don't know if that's yeah. the way to put it yeah. but you you are someone who uh i know i i walk past your house and you know drive past the house you have the black lives matter flag and I just we didn't even talk about the 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 details of how we would uh, 
have this conversation, but you know, we're just talking about Maze and Jackie, and you're a rabbi, and you are like such a spiritual, strong, introspective, kind, and generous person. And I wanted to kind of talk about the importance of today a little bit, mainly in the way that. Um, oh no, my audio just went out. Uh, I'm there. I'm here. That, Mainly in the way. Is is it? Is this is this streamyard telling us let's not approach this topic? Let's try. Okay. But um, I don't want to get canceled. You don't want to get canceled. Let's do our best to maybe just talk a little bit about it. And I will just kind of share with me, uh, share my my perspective of things. And I want to hear more from you, of course. Is as an Asian American, I do find myself kind of like on the sidelines of. No, the American part. Every every country has its race issues and race problems and you know his, histories. But you know my people, right? My my Korean. You know we've been colonized by yeah. China and Japan in the past. But you know we, when it comes to the sordid history of America, like my people did not enslave and were you know you know Chinese uh, people helped build the railroads as we hear about a lot and we know about. So um, I do find myself kind of like unsure of how to enter the fray. And and when there were some comments made in the hobby that really upset some people and there were kind of like, I don't know, sides or factions starting. Like I didn't really know what to do because yeah. one, I have a small voice. It's not like I have I'm. No one comes to me saying, oh, what's your take on this? You know, I kind of I was just reading. I was learning. I was absorbing. I was trying to figure out what's going on. But we do have a hobby that has historically been pretty um, white male centric. Right. And I think I've, I'm of the strong belief that in order to grow the hobby, we do need to be more inclusive and regardless of your politics, because I know some of this, so much of this can get politicized and I'm not here to get on a soapbox and talk about politics, but it's just about, even from a dollars and cents standpoint, it just makes sense to get more diversity into the hobby. So Juneteenth, race, America, hobby, please talk to me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. So yeah, we are a, a multiracial family. Um, one of our children is white and the other child is black and we go through the world as a, a family that, uh, has more diversity than maybe some other families. And it's, it's a beautiful way to go through the world. And it's also, you know, not without its own complexities and its challenges. And, you know, Judah and I were talking just today. Hi, there's his name. Uh, I'll bleep it out or something. I'll figure okay. it out. Something. All right. So my son and I were just talking today about Juneteenth and um, making making African-American history a part of American history, I think, is actually really important. Mm -hmm. I remember Morgan Freeman. Remember that guy? You know Morgan Freeman. The great voice. Shawshank you know. Redemption. Shawshank, right. Shawshank, right. <laughs> Morgan Freeman, Shawshank. Yeah. So... Morgan Freeman a long time ago was on 60 Minutes. And I remember him talking in an interview saying, like, being very against uh, Black History Month. Wow. He said, yeah, he said, Black, Black History is American history. I, want, I don't want, oh. I want a month. I want it to be all I the see. time. I want it to be part of woven into the fabric of our society and our culture. And I'm like, that's mm -hmm. really dope. And it's important to have it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but I really like so Judah and I, uh, my son and I, <laughs> we're talking. I can't. I, I don't know how to bleep. I don't know how it's to edit. Okay. You might I'll have to be okay you, with his name now. Listen, man, I'm a rabbi. Like I'm a public figure. I'm mm -hmm. very easy to find. My children's names are known. My wife's name is known. Like I, I don't enjoy anonymity in my in my profession. It's just not not what it is, and it's okay. okay. So All we're right. just talking about we're talking mm -hmm. about Juneteenth tonight. Every uh, we're getting some dinner together. We were talking about what it is and why it matters and how come it took so long to get from the emancipation proclamation in 1863 till it was read in uh, Galveston today, June 19th, 1865. Try to understand the wise, wise behind that. Now I'm going to talk about diversity in the hobby. Mm -hmm. That is an interesting conversation, right? There's a lot of ways we can go with it. 
I think one way to think about it is um, you need money to collect cards. Mm-hmm. And there is serious wealth gap in this country, not just not just economic inequality, but generational wealth, mm-hmm. that kind of gap, right? That is part of the system. And I'm not on any on any soapbox, but until what is it that the average black family has one twelfth what the average white family has uh, in in accrued family wealth? It's it's a tiny tiny fraction. So going and spending big money on cards is isn't I don't think it's gonna there's not gonna be a lot of racial diversity until there's like more economic equality in this country. Um and that's not just for African Americans, also for Hispanics and lots of other minorities, and also, you know, people who are white who haven't really enjoyed economic booms in their own lives either. Like I, I think about this 10x thing and like are people really going to get super psyched to get score football cards long-term when they hmm. see the bling? I don't know. Like, I don't know if this thing is 10 Xable. Hmm. Yeah. So score, you know, being very, I, I love the specificity and there's a lot that I want to say, but focusing on that last word or phrase. Yeah. So, so you would associate score as a lower end product where it is kind of like junk wax. E. I mean, it's fun. It's it's fun. It's great to get for little kids. Yeah. Right. But but, you know, you start to, once you see the good stuff, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to stay connected to score. And I don't even yeah. mean the good stuff like you know NT and flawless. I'm even the the prism, the mid tier prism, yeah, okay. mid tier stuff. So, you know? so the reason I I say that is, um, you know, my second guest ever, Brian Pirup, who we we were talking about, you know, junk wax eras and uh, are we in a junk wax era 2.0 and all this, and he said, you know, like paraphrasing, like you know, what's there's not what what's so wrong about that, and yeah. um, oh no, our audio again. We're back. We're back. <laughs> okay, we're back. So. It makes me wonder, like, do we need different price points, different, um, do we need diversity in the cardboard? Uh, and I'm not even talking about the athletes on the cardboard, but just like diversity in price points. And, and I guess historically there have always been collector's choice and flair showcase. And, but I guess in vintage, it's, it's always been just that one or two sets, right? Just tops right. or bo- just Bowman. But, um, yeah, it's just I don't even know where I'm going with this because it's such a important topic. And I think it's just important for folks like you and me and other people to just start the conversation. I don't think we're going to solve anything today. I don't think we're going to, um, you know, maybe we advance the ball a little bit. But I think it, it is important that it's not so taboo. And that's why when we said, oh, what a coincidence we might be recording on Juneteenth. I was like, should we maybe talk about this? But there was no talking points. There was no. Yeah. Yeah. set questions or back and forth it's kind of like you and you and i just walking our dogs in the morning <laughs> are, we are, we, junk, are we in a junk wax period are we in a junk slab age what oh, yeah. talk to me well i mean so many color parallels we just talked about 22 select football with an extra sweet level right another level of cards yeah. and yeah um i mean to to bring in full so- circle about you know me breaking this over this weekend and pulling a, a what I thought was such a unique card here's a and here I'm breaking my evergreen part but you know I pulled a one of one 22 select football Desmond Ritter Nike swoosh red background and then two days later later literally today June 19th um, uh, let's just say it backyard breaks pulls a 2022 select football Desmond Ritter one of one Nike swoosh red pack and I get there's so many different one of ones and I know it's a different card it was like finite or premium or whatever it was called but in my head I'm like one it is so recent I pulled it first and like wait what the heck like here's another one just like it but then two I'm like like um it it doesn't take away from the enjoyment of that moment that I had but Mm. it's just like how many one of ones? I know Cage Lawyer has talked about how many logo men there are in in Flawless, which yeah. by the way is a product that came out after the entirety of a second year of these rookies, 
was played. The season was over, yeah. right? Yeah. So are we in a junk wax era 2.0? I mean, I don't see how we're not. And then we'll see how Fanatics goes about things too. And then um, junk slabs, I mean, as in your entrance in a hobby when I was buying on whatnot a lot, I remember being addicted to whatnot when I first started back into the hobby. And, mm-hmm. and you were like, patience, patience, <laughs> grasshopper. Just take take a moment. Don't. Nothing good happens after 2 a.m. At, you know, at, at the bar or on whatnot. I got a $20 card for $3. And then you're, you're like, is that worth your time, though? Like, think about it. Like, is that yeah. really worth your time? And I was like, now I know. But at the time, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I can make $17. Not, not thinking about shipping, taxes, fees, and all that. So mm-hmm. I got to say, um, Junk Slabs, I've definitely bought them. Uh, I don't think people have to have a gateway. And, and like, I... I think a lot of people when they first get back into the hobby, especially recently, it's like yeah. you almost feel like, oh, look, it's a PSA 10, say, let's just say Zion hoops rookie, you know, base. It's like, right. oh, that's like a $40 card. You know, now it's like not as much because it's Zion, but it's almost like, is, is it, does it have to be a rite of passage for someone to go through junk, uh, high, high PSA graded base? rookie cards uh even if it's prism rookie cards like you know uh no color no silver just just base yeah and i don't know i i, I would like to think that people who are newer entrants in the hobby will be smarter and not not do that but we know those those slabs are circulated around in shows on streams and it it isn't i wouldn't even say it's hot potato because they're not so expensive that people have to like feel like they have to jump off of it but they're going to be circulated and i I cannot remember who said it but i remember someone said someone just needs to buy fifty thousand of these junk slabs and just throw them into the ocean like the like the mickey mantle rookie cards you know from from back in the day when they said they just threw them into the ocean but other uh, if you don't do that they're they're just going to be constantly transacted on i guess those are the highly uh the highly um transacted cards you just will never get rid of them and when i think about the final thing i'll say because i've been rambling here is when i think about when i was a kid and i would seek out my you know hero worshiping cards the jordans or the gary paytons or kevin garnett's or whatever it would be um I guess those are the players now. Like when I, when I, I don't want to hold disdain for young collectors who are chasing like the Zions and Lamellos because they're the flashy, you know, ones who had a lot of hype and they may look back at, well, I don't think either of those are going to have careers like, you know, the greats from the 90s. But, you know, the people who are doing so well now are going to be their Jordans. I mean, that's why when it comes to the Jordan LeBron debate, it's such a generational debate. I mean, everyone over the age of 35 is going to say Jordan. Everyone under the or most people under the age of 35 are going to say LeBron because that's just kind of what we grew up with. Sure. So I've been it's talking to too much. It. No, no, no. Yeah. It's fun to debate. I, I definitely think we are in a we are in a junk product era, the magnitude of which we will only recognize uh, when we look back. At this time, I remember when I first got back into the hobby and then we reached out to my buddy, Adam, who really conti- more or less continuously collected over the years. And um, we were saying, like, how can all of these things, all these cards all be worth this much money? And I just think they can't they can't be. And I went back and looked at my cards. It was great getting back in as I looked at my cards. And I really got out of collecting like just before junk wax was starting. So the last cards in my binders were like 89, 90. I remember I pulled a Frank Thomas 90 or that 90 or 91 leaf rookie. That was like a great pack. Um, and it's like a time capsule for prospects. Hmm. I won't even bore you with the names, but think of all the prospects nowadays. There were those guys 30 years ago that there was tons of production mm. 
think there was less production there is now, right? Because mm. then it was then it was for first it was Tops and Falir and Donruss, but then mm. every Upper Deck and all the other ones came out as well. But even mm. in the in the 80s, it was high production, let's call it just very vertical, right? In terms mm. of numbers, right? A few sets, super, super mass produced. I think when we look back, we're gonna see more cards are produced, but just horizontally. Hmm. But all the different sets, I think we're going to have seen more, more cards. Not only junk wax, I think we're going to have junk autos, mm-hmm. junk, junk patches. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and since so much is coming out year after year after year after year, right? Imagine, think of the, the, the value boxes now. And now, and then, and they haven't even caught up like 2021, 20, 22 hmm. for stuff that's like, ah, this guy didn't hit. And now I had five more years to that. <laughs> it, I honestly, I think this stuff's going to be worth very, very little. I'm, I'm not like super crazy Pareto effect. Like what's that guy, Brent devalue investor. Uh, he knows his stuff, different perspective on some things in terms of uh, some of the perspectives on vision on uh, vintage, but he definitely is, you know, 99.9% of the cards are worthless and one-tenth of 1% hold most of the value. Right? I so so it. that is th- yeah. that's a spin on the Pareto principle, right? So just I know you and I an talked extreme, about it. On extreme, the an extreme, extreme version. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so did you want to explain that yeah, a little bit? Just, like the 80, you know, 80-20? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like 80-20 is something you can apply to lots of different parts in your life, right? Like 20% of your work is going to give you 80% of your results, right? 20% of my congregants are going to give me 80% of my headaches, right? It's like, that's, that's it. Hope you're not listening to this. No, I know. I love you people, but yes. it's, you know, listen, serving the Jewish people, it comes with its headaches. So do we, uh, I yeah. feel like I have to have you on to talk more about the application of like religion with the, the, the sure. cult of cards or religion of cards. Oh yeah. Um, but I definitely, before we end, because yeah. I, we've been going, <laughs> we go on some long walks y'all. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want you to tell us, uh, I know a lot about your podcast and I've listened to it and I really, there are some things that I actually, after this, I want to clip to kind of tease your appearance on this, but sure. there's so many good sound bites, but, uh, tell folks uh, about your podcast. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've seen it. I, you and I have talked about it before it's launched. You and I have talked about this podcast before it's launched yeah. and you've been yeah. so supportive, yeah. um, along the way. So, but this is your time to kind of do the very long elevator pitch like we're going to the sears tower so it doesn't have to be 60 seconds but you know i just want you to kind of like give us the uh the overview of um the the podcast sure so it's the rated rabbi sports card podcast the subtitle is where sports cards and pop culture meet the 1984 all-star game right so i have a crystal clear mission statement I know exactly like that's my focus. Sports cards, pop culture, 1984 All-Star Game. Everything I do has to somehow intersect that moment in time through those through those two channels. I went to the 84 All-Star Game with my dad and my brother at Candlestick. It was a great memory of my childhood. So when I got back into collecting, you know, I wanted to have I want to have a great collection. But I get to define what a great collection is for me just like you do just like all of us do so a great collection has to be meaningful has to be personal and um has to be something no one else can do and if they do it they're copying me right no one else has an 80 card master set of the 1984 all-star game and no one else can do a podcast about about (laughs) sports cards pop culture in the 84 game so it's very specific very reflective tons of nostalgia and um I just finished episode 24. Uh, so far, I've gotten through the first inning. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just all about digressions. It's all just about going down rabbit holes and mm-hmm. exploring memories and bringing things together and talking about life. And it's just a, it's a ton of fun. I try to do it. I do do it twice a week on Mondays and Fridays when I release mm-hmm. episodes. Each one's about 25 to 30 minutes. Try not to go too, too long because that's about my attention span when I'm listening to a pod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not like this one, buddy. We've gone long tonight. Yeah, we, and that's it. Yeah, I love I, it. 
the the amount of t- I mean, but that's life, right? Isn't life the tan the the details, the, yeah. the tangents, the side tangents. talk? Yeah. yeah, it's it's that's what it's about. I mean, did we go along? Yes, but I hope that people are chopping this up into you know whatever chores or running or driving that they're doing. But hey, it's like I say to a lot of people: if you want a refund, if you want, if you want uh, your time back, I guess your money. You can't get the time back, but you, you, I'll definitely give you a refund if you didn't like the podcast. But no, I, I am um, so appreciative of our friendship and that you launched the podcast. It really spurred me to want to try to give it a shot. You know, you, you've heard me talk about this whole hobbyist Thompson angle because i just wanted to do something different um i consume so many podcasts i love the medium and it's just i in a way just wanted to make something that that was different or at least i think is different so that um someone like me could enjoy it i guess Um, awesome i love seeing you have fun man your joy brings me joy you yes thank you yeah. you've said that to me before and i i gotta say the same thing to you we're gonna have such an awesome time in nash in, in national which i always just keep liking say natty so it's like a little inside insidery thing for us but um we're going to we are gonna have separate so in this airbnb we are gonna have separate sleeping arrangements we're not sleeping in the same bed i don't think no i'm bringing joe dimaggio to bed man. yeah <laughs> way to bring it full circle <laughs> oh man but you're not transacting that card. You're bringing it for the for the. No, ones. I'm not. I'm not bringing it. I, oh, I don't bring it. anything that that you know. I'm afraid if I bring something like that, I might end up in a trade for 33 Gaudi Babe Ruth, and so. Oh my gosh. That's that's a grail card for me. In fact, I'm already starting to think after I get over the the maze hump, I'm thinking about spending all of 2024 and not buying anything except saving up to buy card 49, the red Babe Ruth, to spend the entire year saving and only buy one card. You have told me about this idea, and I think it is the most like insane but impressive. If you're able to pull it off, it it, it, it you would be like the card monk, like you're the rated rabbi, but you would be like the rated monk, like so disciplined to be able to like oh, starve yourself for an entire year and just you're you're like I'm not gonna have any food, no sustenance, just water. I am gonna live off water for an entire year. To me, that's almost unfathomable. I mean, before I came to the hobby, I mean, I went 10 years without being with collecting cards before I came back. But if you're able to pull it off and I I hope our friendship doesn't suffer with like, I don't want to like, you know, entice you. But oh, my gosh, if you're able to do that, I mean, definitely um, hats off to you. Sports card celibacy. (laughs) (laughs) The nightstand celibacy. Oh, my gosh. Is this is this the t- is this a good place for us to end? I I, yeah, I want to have you on. Go to bed. Yeah, we'll do right? it it's again. Like we'll o'clock. do it again, dude. I, I the great curator had me on until like one a.m. I I streamed until three a.m. I'm getting such little sleep. I actually wanted to talk to you about parenting and the hobby and parenting your collection. We did talk about like the way you, you know, like you like your family dynamic and all that and the importance of today. Um the final question I'll have so that we can end is do you think that parenting makes, uh, do you think that parenting makes you a good parent? Do you think that being in the hobby makes you a good parent? Can I answer while uh, you pause? Yeah, you can answer. <laughs> you can answer your own question. It's after yeah. 11. Anything goes. So, so here's the thing. I think that I definitely get distracted and I think about cards a lot. I think about the podcast or the content a lot, and it may distract me from, you know, when someone's asked me something, whether it's my wife or my kids, but I know, and the reason I bring it up, I'm it's, it was like kind of a softball question or toss up to you, but I know in the past in your podcast, you have said that you felt like you didn't have enough room for yourself and that it makes you feel alive. Now this is your, the hobby is where you get to be Dave and not dad or husband or rabbi. I mean, yes, you're the rate of rabbi, but through the hobby you get to, and I don't think you use the word selfish, but you get to serve yourself and enjoy the hobby, you know? And so for me, I feel very much the same way. It's like, midlife crisis coming back to the cards i get to 
enjoy this. And and the great thing is that I'm not just enjoying it with myself. I'm enjoying it with you, my mm -hmm. Instagram hobby friends, local card show friends, people who are, you know, I'm getting to know. And, you know, we talk about bad actors in the hobby, but I've gotten to meet so many amazing creators, podcasters, uh, dealers, flippers, um, ca whole cast of characters. And to me, I do think that the hobby makes me a better parent, even though there are ways that it distracts, it distracts me, but I think it, it fulfills me so much. Beautiful. Beautiful. Good answer. How about you? <laughs> um, I think that uh, it's been wonderful to have room for just me. Like you said a minute ago, it, it's really nice to have space where I'm not rabbi, husband, father. I just get a little day of time. And that was really missing in my life for a long time. I mean, decades that was missing in my life. Uh, but I think also, like you said, it also distracts me. There's times where I'm on my phone or I'm thinking about cards or I'm down in my down in Dave's cave doing the hobby uh, that that probably takes me away from my family and my kids. It's something to be really honest with myself. It's not uh, I'm a work in progress. Yeah, I'm trying to get him into cards, but it hasn't really worked yet. I thought it would just be the perfect bridge quality time and hobby. <laughs> that that is the best um yeah. if we, if we can get that to work and stick um i i appreciate your vulnerability and your your honesty again your friendship it means so much to me Thanks, um likewise so i think this is a good way to end uh rated rabbi thank you follow him i'm gonna put in the show notes your podcast and a link and all that thank um you. this won't be this is your first but it won't be your, your last time on this pod Got to have cool. you on yours. I don't know. Definitely. In 1984, I was two years old. So I'll tell you what a two-year-old thinks about the 84 game. <laughs> um, but, yeah, thank you so much for this. This has been truly excellent. Thanks, Danny.